Hey guys, this is Robert Rochelle with D3VBWest.com, bringing you the first podcast of the upcoming uh, 2020 season. Uh, if you've been following along at all, uh, checking the news, you'll know that um, 2020 just sucks. There's really no other way to say it. Uh, there's just so much bad news that's coming out uh, virtually every day. And um, you could say that I'm here, I'm going to do this podcast, I'm going to bring you some good news, but hey, that's probably not what's going to happen. You very rarely get good news from me in podcasts anyways, so why should that all of a sudden happen in 2020? But um, there have been a number of items that have come up over the summer, and uh, I thought I'd touch on them. Uh, There are articles on the website if you want to go read about them, Um, but uh, I'm going to try and touch on them and maybe provide a different perspective, a different viewpoint uh, from what's going on, but uh, let's see. The number one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, Johnson & Wales University out of Denver. Uh, there's actually two campuses. Uh, North Miami is the other one uh, that Johnson & Wales has decided to close. And uh, really, just really sad when you think about uh, the students that are going there, the seniors that are going there. At least they get one more year where they can finish off. But just the concept of going to a university or college and it it doesn't exist anymore, right? So, I mean, think about it that in in your own life, whether it's college or high school and you put all this time and effort and there is no history. There is nothing to look back on because it doesn't exist anymore. And uh, that's, that's sad into itself. But then you've got your undergraduates You've got people that were committed to go in as a freshman, and their life has basically been turned upside down. And um, that doesn't even talk about the professors and the administrators and everybody that that uh, have poured their lives into that uh, institution and now have got to go find different work, uh, different passions. And um, just, just sad all the way around, but I, I do hope uh, everybody, all the athletes, all the student athletes, everyone there, uh, come out in a better situation. I guess Johnson & Wales Denver kind of leads us into the more general topic of how are other campuses, other institutions going to come out of the coronavirus 2020 uh, disaster that it is. Um, I think I've written about the fact that um, you know if, if, if fall sports get canceled, uh, well I guess spring, winter, summer as well, um, you know, it's really going to put a damper on the potential students who would have also been student athletes uh, from from attending these D3 institutions. And when you start decreasing the enrollment, then you obviously decrease the finances. And um, that that's a really, really potential problem for these schools for staying open. We've already seen schools close. Um, that was before coronavirus. We're seeing schools close now. Uh, they're saying it's not directly related, but obviously it's it, it's impactful. Uh, Johnson and Wales basically said that you know it was something they were looking at, and that the coronavirus basically just accelerated the process. Um, so we're really kind of looking at an unknown future. Uh, you know, primarily in Division Three, but but in reality. It's, it's any institution that doesn't have this huge endowment and people willing to, uh, to, uh, to donate to the school.
Let's, uh, let's jump to a different topic. Uh, one of the bigger items that have come out recently is realignment. The, um, the NCAA has decided to realign starting in 2020, uh, sorry, 2021, uh, to realign the eight regions into 10 regions. And um, for volleyball, uh, one of the things they, they talked about early on, I guess, for the whole realignment process, not just volleyball, was that um, since the last realignment, uh, they've really have got a, a number of unbalanced regions. And honestly, that was the case that was pushed into the last realignment. So it's not like something that suddenly happened. But one of the reasons they gave for doing the realignment was these unbalanced regions and the fact that it makes it difficult to uh, do selection for the NCAA championship as well as crafting the regional rankings. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think all that's a bunch of bull. Um, I understand the issue of doing regional rankings. I think, and you saw it in New York, which actually regionally ranked less teams this past year. If you don't, if you don't believe that you're going to get a lot of teams out of your region, uh, why do you spend the time to regionally rank them? And then if you don't have a lot of uh, a gap between these teams that makes it very difficult to regionally rank them. So you're going through a lot of effort to do something that doesn't really have a payout. So I certainly understand that issue. Um, you know, on the flip side, we've got some regions uh, that have a lot of teams coming out. So it's very important to regionally rank um, the numbers that they have. So, you know, I'll give them that point, but, but the rest is just garbage. The real issue, at least in volleyball, is the at-large selections and the bias that's incorporated into the selection criteria. And this does absolutely nothing to fix that. So, and in fact, I would argue, and I have argued in my articles on the website, that what is going on now is, is actually going to make things worse. Um, primarily, and we just had uh, this decision made, uh, they've decided to regionally rank 20% of the teams uh, in each of the regions. And uh, there's a little uh, confusion about whether or not uh, they're going to round up or truncate that number. So for instance, the West, which is now region uh, 10 or X on the Roman numeral scale, um, we've got 39 teams currently. Um, that does not include Johnson and Wales because they weren't eligible at this time. but um, we have 39 teams, and the question then becomes, do we regionally rank 20% rounded up, which would be eight, or are we truncating, which means that's seven? Uh, it's kind of a big deal because the regional ranked teams, when you play them, you get a result, and that's one of the selection criterion. And the reason why, it really doesn't matter if they truncate or round up, it's still bad. Um, it's probably worse if they truncate, but, um, and the reason is what they essentially did is they took the two largest regions, or there's really three large regions, but they basically have tried to disperse them. And the easiest thing, for instance, in the New England region was just to create two regions. So instead of having one region where you're originally ranking 12 teams, I think it was, you now have two regions where you're going to be ranking either 14 or 16 teams. So you've now increased the number of, of teams to be regionally ranked, which means you've now uh, given those teams a 
an easier opportunity to pick and choose their opponents and pick and choose regionally ranked teams and to really come away with a, a great uh, regionally ranked criterion, which doesn't happen in the smaller regions and it specifically doesn't happen in the West region where we basically have these islands of conferences and without flights you can't really travel. I've got a number of articles that kind of go more in depth into uh, the realignment, go into this 20% rule, go into why the selection criterion is uh, criteria is, is biased. Uh, feel free to look on the website for that. I won't regurgitate it here. Um, kind of along the same lines, talking about selection, is um, I found this MOX championship presentation that the NCAA did uh, back in 2018. It was, um, it was actually presented at the convention. I think uh, that was uh, 2000, end of 2018, early 2019. I actually had uh, a couple coaches uh, reach out to me. They were, they were kind of happy with what they had seen. And, and again, without going into what I've written, there is an item in there that basically talks about don't just count columns. We have the five selection criterion. You don't, you don't take the five and put the raw numbers down against these two teams and then just do check marks. Okay, they win this one, they win this one. Hey, it's three to two, this team's better. Rock and roll, let's go. That's not the intent. The intent is that although, yes, you can do that with, with one or two of the criterion, it's really best to look deeper into these numbers and really understand what feeds into them. And um, it's something that, that I've talked a lot about. Uh, Ricky Nelson, uh, on his site, really champions it. And, and um, so, so with the presentation, it basically says, hey, don't just do column check marks. And, and that's great. And I think that's what the coaches really came away with it um, and, and really had a favorable opinion about. With that said, um, there, there were other things in there that made me really concerned. And, and again, I don't want to regurgitate the article, uh, but one of the things I found the most fascinating was the tool that the selection committee gets at their disposal. Um, it, it has all of the statistics, all of the criteria uh, that, that, that gets pulled in and you can do comparisons. Um, and there is this ability to drill down into teams. But when I looked at the, the charts that they had on the presentation, I was left with the feeling that it's really hard to to drill down and make comparisons and and even a simple thing like hey here are the originally ranked teams that this team team a played and here are the teams that team b played um played and and here they are together and maybe we have some numbers with each one and we can say heck you know this one team played 10 teams but eight of them were really low seeded, and yes, they have a great regional ranking record. This other team isn't 500, but boy, they played. They played, you know, maybe only five teams, but four of them were um, top one or two regionally ranked teams, and they came away, you know, with a two and three record. So who's better, the eight and two team or the two and three team? And and when you start looking at the teams they played, you can start to have a have a real discussion about it. If you look at just the record without looking at anything else or just even sort of just glancing at it you're going to take the eight and two team and um and again 
uh, that's a real bias towards the teams that have conferences that are close close together that you can drive to and it's um, it's something that's that's a huge detriment to to the regions that are spread out um, and and it's okay it's okay for that to be the case but there has to be a realization that that's going on um, and, and I just don't I don't think it's there or if it is there I don't think there's enough people in power that care and I, and I think that's that's really that's really the, the, the disappointment in all of this. So, so to be clear, when I, when I saw the slides on the tool, what I was disappointed with was the fact that it doesn't seem to make it easy, if at all possible, to dive into the regionally ranked teams. And, um, and so when, when we get these disagreements on selection day, um, there's a part of me that feels like this tool is contributing to that. And, uh, and that was really my main takeaway from that, pre that NCAA presentation. Let's, uh, let's jump over to uh, Mills College and UC Santa Cruz, because uh, they had some, some big news this summer. Uh, they played in this conference, the ACAA, which was really a collection of independent teams from across the nation. Uh, it really spreads from one coast to the other coast. And um, it's really not a, uh, a tenable situation. Um, and in fact, it, it appeared like the NCAA was actually going to create rules that uh, would put roadblocks into that conference, ultimately getting an automatic qualifier. Um, what's happened at the same time was there was a, the CAC uh, conference, uh, which includes uh, Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, uh, two other teams uh, has really kind of blown up, uh, not in a good way. Uh, it's disintegrated such that after next year, I think they were down to four teams for four charter members. And uh, so what they did as a conference is they saw, decided to pull in the ACAA and, 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 I, and I said merge, but in reality, uh, what they're doing is absorbing the ACAA. And the reason you kind of say it that way is because uh, the CAC has an automatic qualifier where the ACAA doesn't. If you merge them, then you're really creating a new conference that does not have an automatic qualifier. And the whole point of this is to keep that automatic qualifier. Um, that, is, that is the gold nugget in, um, in really all sports uh, at all levels. So, you know, that's fine. Uh, good for them. I think they still have some issues because they're still going to be very spread out coast to coast. Um, they're, they're probably not going to play a conference schedule. Uh, the NCAA may still have some issues with this. We'll have to see. Um, but, but I kind of wanted to, to, to talk about that just so we talk about Mills and we talk about Santa Cruz. Now, Mills College is not on the tip of your tongue, even if you're really familiar with the West region. Um, I don't want to be negative, but you might say that Mills College um, is, is the worst school uh, volleyball related, not the worst school, <laughs> uh, volleyball team is, is, is typically one of the worst teams in the West region. My apologies to Mills College. Um, and, and that's okay, you know, get better, it's all good. Uh, I feel like I've just stepped in it there. but. Um, um, you know, but it's difficult. It's difficult. They're in, they're out of Oakland. Uh, 
the only school that's really close to them is Santa Cruz, which is why they're an independent. Um, they're a very small college, a um, lot, of, lot of roadblocks um, that face them. But, but what I love about them is that they, you know, they, they, they support the program, they support the student athlete, and, and for that I love them, and, um, and more power to them. But it's, it's really difficult. And then you've got UC Santa Cruz, which is a public institution, and um, you know, they're, they're over on the, the coast, and, and um, you know, they could be bigger than they are. They're also an independent. They, they don't have anyone near them other than Mills. And, um, and, and so it's, it's a real struggle. So having these two teams be part of a larger conference, I think, is great. Um, I'd like to see a conference schedule. That may not happen, probably won't happen, but, but I think that would ultimately uh, help Mills to get better and help Santa Cruz to get better. Um, so for the purposes of the 2020 season, um, they, uh, they, they, they're no longer independents. They're going to have an automatic qualifier. They have, they have the gold nugget to chase, which is great for both teams. Um, the problem is, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens, is like if you look at the Santa Cruz schedule, um, I counted 22 matches on their schedule. Uh, and that's probably a preliminary schedule. It hasn't officially been released. But if, if you go down the list, uh, 10 of them are against teams that probably, t 10 matches that probably will not happen. Uh, the major problem is that the SCIAC, which is the, the Southern California Conference, um, has elected to play conference only. And I haven't seen if they're going to have an exception for Santa Cruz. So Santa Cruz plays a lot of those SCIAC teams. And right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, so those are part of those 10, 10 matches that, that I don't see happening. Um, there's also tournaments um, that they tend to go down that the SCIAC is hosting. And I don't believe those tournaments are happening anymore. Um, they, so, so it really leaves Santa Cruz with like 12, 12 matches. And that may be all they get. Um, there's been a ruling by the NCAA that this upcoming year, you only have to have, I think, 11 matches to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Now that also doesn't include the, their, their conference championship, uh, which in the case of Santa Cruz, they probably are going to go uh, without question. So they'll get, a, they'll get a one or two more, more matches there. But um, this is just really bad timing. It's, it just seems like Mills and Santa Cruz to some degree are, are cursed. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, will, they, will they still travel? You know, will there be uh, teams that still have their tournaments? Um, so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And, and for Santa Cruz, it's a little easier because they're a better team. And um, it's not going to necessarily hurt teams to play them. In Mills College, the, the problem is it's another roadblock for teams that aren't, aren't in the top echelon. Um, schools aren't necessarily going to want to play Mills College because it hurts the strength of schedule. And, um, and, and so that's, it's, it's, a real, it's a real roadblock for Mills to, to get better because it's hard to schedule. And then you throw them in a place where there's really no other teams around, and, and my gosh, um, it, it's just tough all the way around. So, um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the conference does, this new conference. It's going to be interesting to see what Santa Cruz does with their, with their schedule. They may just play 12 matches, you know, eat, and I'm not even sure they can get those those, those 12. I mean, one of them, I think, includes a trip up to uh, the Northwest Conference, and, and that may not happen. Um, 
but you know they got to get to 11 or they got to get a waiver and then but, and they would still have a path to the NCAA through this new conference so um, anyways wanted to talk a little bit about them and um, and, and where they're at and and please no no hate mail from Mills College I do I do love you guys don't worry about that well this is uh, this is getting kind of long and and I'm not sure I've really talked about of anything of interest, but uh, um, let's uh, let's wrap it up. I guess uh, uh, talk a little bit about what's going on uh, in uh, in my world. Um, you know, starting in July is really when I start to to pick up the website activity, um, and it's going to be difficult this year. Um, you know, the scheduling uh, articles that I write are kind of pointless this year i mean if you can schedule a match then i love you i don't care who you're playing um and honestly things like strength of schedule may not matter as much this year uh, if they do come down to ncaa championship selection i'm really not sure how they're going to be able to do it uh, with with virtually no cross play between the regions uh, they may just sit there and, and let every every region have their own regional uh, of course they'll still just invite you know one or two west teams and send them off to play calvin and emory but uh, but who knows maybe we'll have a west region this year um, so strength of schedule may not matter too much because it's pointless to compare an sos created in one region and one that's also created in a different region um, Heck, it's probably just going to be created within your conference. Um, so, um, by definition, if that happens, the best teams will have the worst strength of schedule because you're beating the teams and causing them to have worse records. So, anyways, too much talking about that. Uh, so, we're just going to have to see what the website does moving forward um, and what, what there is to write about. And um, I'll try to be a little more positive um, this season because it really isn't helpful to be negative when people are just trying to do the best they can. Um, and who knows, maybe there'll be reasons for me to be positive that really that's the issue. It's not that I'm negative. Well, I am negative, but that's not the point. Um, I guess some uh, coronavirus news on our end. Um, we, we, we assume we're still healthy. We, we can't really get tested here in Texas unless you you lie about the reasons why you need it, or, or if you're really sick, but um, but uh, we had planned. My my wife's got a uh, birthday in early August, so we had planned a, a trip to Cancun, thinking that everything would be better. And of course, things have done the exact opposite. So actually, yesterday we canceled our trip. Everything was refundable. Um, so that's disappointment. It was nice to have that little that little. Uh, that, 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 that trip sitting out there in the future that we were kind of eyeing, but uh, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, just got to put your own safety first, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at that. Um, but it's funny because as you know, you're doing the self-quarantine or you're or at least trying to be safe as possible, right? And um, you know, but we have had more interactions with our friends. I'm sure you guys have have as well. But um, the way I kind of term it is, you basically have this circle of death. You know, who's who's in your circle of death? You know, 
if you're sitting at home with your family, that's your circle of death. Those are the people that if 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 you're going to die, if you're going to catch it from somebody, that's the circle you're going to get it from. And and honestly, you're okay, right? That's these are your family, these are the, your loved ones. You're not going to be upset by that. And uh, as you open up your circle of death to friends, that's still okay. You know, I'm okay if I if I if I get it because my best friend had it and didn't know about it. Um, so that's kind of how I've, I've, I've looked at it. And we kind of talk about the circle of death here. And, um, you know, if somebody goes out and does something risky, then that obviously increases the circle of death and, in, and includes people that I really don't want to die for. <laughs> but um, that's kind of how we're looking at it and trying to stay sane and, and um, not sure what volleyball will take in the future, um, what trips will be allowed in the future. Um, but, um, you know, it's going to get better. It's just, it's going to get better. You just have to look out six months. You have to look out a year and realize that, um, you know, things are going to get better. And, um, I hope everyone is, is safe. I hope, uh, I hope, uh, nobody's gotten it or if they've gotten it, it's been, it's been very minor. Uh, hope you guys keep your circle of deaths small, stay safe and, uh, appreciate you guys listening. Um, if there's anything else you want to dive into, uh, check out the website. There's a lot more articles and information, more depth in there. Uh, but I do appreciate you listening. And um, for now, I'll, I'll just talk to you later.